Welcome back to Rockford Reading Daily. We're continuing to read Sister Citizen by Melissa V. Harris Perry. We are on page 244 in chapter 6 entitled God. This next segment is entitled Is There a Balm in Gilead? Although the content of their belief is not unique, African-American women are uniquely religiously committed. Of the four categories of GSS groupings, black women are the most likely to attend church, the most likely to be active members of church organizations, the most likely to report having a daily prayer life, the most likely to pro profess a belief in God, and the most likely to claim that they are guided in their daily decision-making by their religious beliefs. But if they do not hold on, but if they do not hold an image of God that reflects themselves, what difference does this religiosity make for them as human beings? Research by psychologists Karen Lincoln and Linda Shatters shows that prayer and devotional life has a positive impact on black women's psychological well-being, but do not mediate the life stretches they face. It seems that even as they draw near to God, sisters are still buffeted by the world. How, then, does the content of black women's religious beliefs affect their emotional lives? To answer this question, we must return to the imperative of the strong black woman. Although the icon of strength encourages resiliency and independence, it also discourages black women from admitting weakness, sadness, and the need for help. The church has traditionally been the primary site for assistance in black communities. Black church women organize the clothing drives for the homeless, make the soup for the hungry, take meals to the shut-ins, fund scholarships for the youth, celebrate the pastor on his anniversary, and pray for everyone who has requests. But even as they give help, black women may feel discouraged from revealing the depths of their own needs. The strong black woman is denied her sadness. Because she must serve, she cannot be broken. But black women do experience sadness and are perhaps uniquely vulnerable to it. African Americans report the lowest levels of happiness, and one obvious reason lies in the depressing, depressing statistics regarding black women's poverty levels, unemployment status, and single parenthood. But perhaps the unattainable goal of perfect independence also contributes. At the turn of the 21st century, mental health professionals and popular media outlets began taking a harder look at the consequences of the myth of strength. These criticisms have forced African-Americans to wonder whether the myth comes at the price of the health and sanity of black women. Their position within black communities and churches requires black women to maintain a facade of strength. Weakness, sadness, and depression are defined as necessarily alien to their experience. For some, the idea of being depressed is like being infected by white ideals and a sense of white privilege. In her text, Behind the Mask of the Strong Black Woman, sociologist Tamara Bouboff Lafont explores this challenge, writing, quote, Black women must struggle against the racialization of depression as a white illness even as they are encouraged to racialize struggle as a central manifestation of being authentically black, end quote. To be true to the race, a black woman must not fall into depression or allow herself to be weak, pitiful, or needy. These are attributes of white women. As the research of womanist theologian Monica Coleman convincingly demonstrates the depressed or abused black woman may feel enormously guilty when her faith alone does not give her sufficient relief and consolation. 
She may believe that she has failed as a Christian as well as failing as a black woman. Strength is the rent a black woman must pay for the room she takes up on the earth. In this sense, sadness, need, or victimization by abuse is not just a personal failure, but a racial failure. These conditions render black women unable to serve as anyone's backbone, bridge, or rock. They are threatening because they rob black women of the strength that is the one positive attribute they are permitted. Without it, a black woman must discover a new standard against which to value her humanity, not just for herself, but in relation to her family, church, race, and nation. In the same way that strength is a racial imperative, suffering becomes understood as a Christian imperative. Discussing the religious beliefs of black Americans dating back to slavery, Monica Coleman writes, quote, The hermeneutic, excuse me, never heard, never seen this one before. The hermeneutic of sacrifice interprets Jesus' death on the cross to mean that personal sacrifice imitates Christ and demonstrates Christian character, end quote. On one hand, this narrative may discourage black women from acknowledging depression or abuse as something for which they may need to seek help. Alternatively, suffering may bring black women closer to God, anchoring them in the belief that their pain is connected to Christ's passion in ways that are potentially empowering. Because the passion and crucifixion of Jesus are foundational tenets of Christian faith, Christian black women may tend to assume that undeserved suffering is redemptive. Throughout this text, we have seen the ways that social and political institutions act as abusive authorities that misrecognize black women's bodies, minds, talents, and spirits. We also know that African-American women, as a group, lack the material resources to resist this subjugation effectively, but they nonetheless feel an imperative to be strong in the face of difficulty. Thus, many black women give meaning to experiences of suffering by seeking a divine purpose for agony. This can even manifest itself as reluctance to feel consistent joy or self-love. These strong black women may worry that feeling good is an indication that they are not acting as soldiers on the battlefield for God. Let's uh, reflect here some. And so again, this just points out the dangers of adapting to the racist value systems and the white supremacist value systems that exist in our society, as opposed to trying to uh, destroy those systems. There is a element of the Christian faith, which sort of, bestows admiration upon suffering and admiration upon sacrifice. And it's not that sacrifice is not admirable and that sacrifice is not something to be uh, applauded at times. It's that when there is an institutional barrier or institutional hindrance that is forcing sacrifice of specific groups and specific races of people, specific genders of people, it's not the same thing as an individual doing, uh, making a sacrifice uh, willingly or freely. Uh, black women are not being exploited in a sacrificial way. They're being exploited in a coercive way, in a, and oppressed in a coercive way, subjugated in a coercive way. 
And so I just think that 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 distinction is important to to highlight and it's important to be able to articulate that distinction because far too often people use religious doctrine to try to uh, support negative aspects of our society. Okay, let's keep reading. As a first step toward empirically mapping these processes, I again use the GSS to explore black women's religious coping mechanisms compared to other groups. I wanted to see if black women are more likely to be positive, negative, or agnostic in their religious style when faced with difficulties. Positive coping is indicated by a respondent's agreement with two statements, quote, I work together with God as partners, end quote, and, quote, I look to God for strength, support, guidance, end quote. Negative emotions associated with religious coping are indicated by agreement with these statements. Quote, I feel that God is punishing me for my sins or lack of spirituality, end quote. And, quote, I wonder whether God has abandoned me, end quote. Agnostic emotional coping is suggested by agreement with the statement, quote, I try to make sense of the situation and decide what to do without relying on God, end quote. At first blush, Religion seems to be a positive emotional tool for black, black men and women alike. African-Americans have higher levels of positive religious emotions in the face of major problems than their white counterparts. There is some indication that more negative emotions are also present for both black men and women and that they are less likely to be agnostic in dealing with life problems. Black women turn to religion to help them cope and their experience is generally positive. They are more likely to turn to God and more likely to feel like supported partners with God when facing life crises. But while they see their religious coping style as positive, it is not clear whether religious coping is good for black women's overall emotional well-being. To address that question, I use GSS data to test whether religious beliefs affect how black women feel in their daily lives. The results demonstrate that physical health is a powerful indicator of emotional health for black women. Their sense of physical well-being has a meaningful influence on their experience of negative emotions. Black women who rate their physical health as good or excellent are significantly less likely to experience sadness, anxiety, or worthlessness, or to feel overwhelmed. But even after we account for the powerful effect of physical health, Religious belief and practice have substantive, independent effects on black women's emotions. African-American women who pray frequently experience fewer negative emotions. Those who believe that major life crises are punishments for sins or reflections of God's absence in their lives are more likely to feel sadness, nervousness, hopelessness, and worthlessness. Although positive emotional coping does not provide a discernible protective effect, Negative religious thoughts are associated with dramatic negative emotional states. When African-American women suffer, their strong faith may not make them feel better. And that's something that we, that the fact that when black women are suffering, their religious faith does not help them feel better is something that has a connection to the empirical data that was shown in the previous chapter, which says that black women adopting the strong mentality or the strong black woman mentality or the strong black woman ideal does not have a correlation to them having a happier life or is not a defense mechanism against uh, depression and, and, and some and negative emotions of life or being content with life. And 
I think those are important because it 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 highlights that these attributes which have been championed do not necessarily lead to a psychologically better life for black women. And so the question is must must the question must become why are these ideals champion if they're not leading to a, a psychologically better life? And then what things can lead to what t- things can be tangibly lead to a psychologically better life. And to me, the thing that stands out from that is a wholesale change in these institutions and the society that they, that these black women exist within. Suffering is difficult terrain for feminist thinkers. The disobedience of Eve in the Genesis story has been used to justify women's inequality and suffering in many Christian traditions. Thus, what is understood as women's complicity with evil leads much traditional theological reflection on suffering to offer the, quote, consequent admonition, admonition. All right, I'm I'm fucking this in this up. Let me try this over. Thus, what is understood as women's complicity with evil leads with evil. Okay, I'm over. Thus, what is understood as women's complicity with evil leads much traditional theological reflection on suffering to offer the, quote, consequent admonition to grin and bear it because such is the deserved place of women, end quote. Admonition. Similarly, when Jesus is seen as a divine co-sufferer, the potentially liberating narratives of Jesus as a revolutionary leader who takes the side of the poor and dispossessed can be ignored in favor of religious beliefs more interested in Jesus as a stoic victim. Christ's suffering is inverted and used to justify women's continued suffering in systems of injustice by framing it as redemptive. The myth of black women's strength functions in a similar way. It obscures suffering by defining endurance as natural. Womanist Karen Baker Fletcher points out that well-meaning religious communities can often convey to women that suffering and pain and loss are somehow the will of God. Those who suffer often believe that their own suffering is somehow deserved or that by enduring it without complaint, they will win favor with God. These results support the conclusion that black women Christians are not necessarily made happier by their reliance on God. They actually feel worse if they interpret their suffering as punishment for sin. If black women fear that they might be sinful or inauthentic because they endure abuse, depression, or neediness, their sense of divine abandonment can significantly increase their suffering in already difficult circumstances. Although their religious beliefs do little to ameliorate black women's own suffering, they do have an important impact on African-American women as moral agents. Remember that the ideal of the strong black woman is that she ignores her own emotional needs in order to meet the needs of those around her, especially her family and community. That religious beliefs have such little impact on black women's life satisfaction is initial evidence for the first element of the strong black woman identity. Many sisters are not nurturing themselves emotionally through their faith. But what about the second element? Do they feel heightened responsibility for the world around them? The GSS asked individuals to respond to this statement. Quote, I feel a deep sense of responsibility for reducing pain and suffering in the world. End quote. 
In the next test, I wanted to observe the relationship between the religious ideas black women hold and this sense of responsibility for reducing pain and suffering in the world. The findings are interesting. Black women who are concerned with applying their religious beliefs to other aspects of their lives are also more likely to feel compelled to reduce suffering in the world. Fundamentalist black women are less likely than their liberal counterparts to feel called upon as moral agents. Surprisingly, there was no independent effect of prayer, church attendance, or religious coping mechanism on this measure of moral agency. Thus, it is not the traditional black church in its fundamentalist and institutional form that seems most responsible for developing black women's sense of moral agency. Instead, these results show that divine imagination is what has the real effect. Black women who perceive God more as a mother than his father and those who perceive God more as lover than his judge are significantly more likely to feel called to reduce suffering and pain. This is powerful empirical evidence supporting the feminist claim that female imaging of God has an important influence on the creative possibilities of believers. Those with the more womanist divine imagination are more likely to believe themselves responsible for moral and ethical action. This empirical result is complicated because of what we know about the benefits and burdens of the strong black woman ideal. It seems that as black women embrace more womanist faith tenets, they become more likely to embrace the role of agent for change for morals, for morality. On one hand, this is something to celebrate. It might be that this result is happily anticipated by womanist ethicist Emily Towns in her book, Womanist Ethics and the Cultural Production of Evil. Town argues that stereotypes, caricatures, and myths are cultural tools of inequality. I have argued that the tilted images in America's crooked room create shame, suffering, and unequal policy outcomes for black women. In a similar way, Towns explains that black women hold false images of themselves and that by failing to fully interrogate or challenge these images, African-American women become unwittingly complicit in reproducing circumstances of inequality that Towns labels evil. Alternately, when black women develop the capacity to imagine themselves as something other than ugly stereotypes, they develop the power to challenge the structures that maintain inequality. Towns also says that challenging these evil ideas about the self allows black women to be more imaginative about ideas like God, government, and power. It is possible that this statistical analysis of GSS data underscores Towns' point. Black women who imagine a different kind of God are more likely to feel responsible for reducing suffering in the world because they imagine a different and more just way of ordering the world. However, we have already seen that celebrating black women's impervious strength can be double-edged. Perhaps womanist perspectives are simply another crooked image that encourages black women to take on yet another role of responsibility for others. Perhaps as they imagine a God who is like them, they see themselves as more like God. And although that imagining can bolster self-esteem, it might also encourage a level of sacrifice that is beyond what should be expected of a mere mortal. The evidence in the GSS is too scant to fully adjudicate this point. There is no way to be sure if these results mean that, quote, the strong black woman, end quote, has just donned her religious vestments to take on yet another project, lessening suffering in the world, or if the power of divine imagination can produce black women toward making institutional changes that can possibly liberate them from the crooked room once and for all. 
To try to tease this out more effectively, I decided to investigate just a little bit more data. And that brings us to a changing of the theme within this chapter. And this segment was entitled, Is There Balm in Gilead? And as we read through it, it sort of felt like we were reading to learn if is there is there healing in religion? Is there healing for black women in religion? And as similar to the strong black woman myth, that there are positives that come from it. So there are some forms of healing or some senses of healing that come from it, but they are very I would say they're very individualized. That's the thing about the the strong black woman myth, the being able to use religion for strength for black women is that these are things that individuals may be able to use to rise up and to break through the glass ceiling and to break through hindrances or overcome hindrances, uh, pass through roadblocks that this society gives to black women. But it is unlikely that this can be a, a tool for the masses of black women to use because it does not get at the heart of the institutional and the structural problems which perpetuate the cycles of oppression, exploitation, marginalization, and subjugation that black women experience. Uh, and so... I'm not sure how far we're on this episode. I'm going to take a look and then we'll decide whether we'll keep going or whether we'll stop this one here. All right, let's read the next segment. On whose behalf? This chapter has featured many statistical findings and much discussion of empirical results. Because it can be hard to keep track of all of these ideas, let us pause for a moment and review what we have learned so far about the connections between black women their faith claims, and their ideas about the political world. One, GSS data shows that African-American women profess a stronger sense of divine connection, a greater commitment to religion guiding other areas of life, and greater fundamentalism than white women. For the most part, they share these religious ideas with black men, which leads me to conclude that Americans show race differences, but not necessarily gender differences in basic religious beliefs. Two, GSS data shows that black women imagine the same God as other Americans. For the most part, they see God as a father, judge, and king, rather than as a mother, lover, and friend. Three, GSS data shows that black women are the most likely to turn to God for assistance in their daily lives and more likely than other groups to feel like supported partners with God when facing life crises. Four, GSS data also shows that religious commitments do not make black women generally more satisfied with their lives. In fact, when black women have a negative religious coping style, that is, if they interpret suffering as punishment for sin, then their religious beliefs actually make them feel worse about their lives. And five. Last, black women with more divine imagination are also more likely to feel compelled to social actions. GSS data shows that sisters who perceive God as more a mother than a father and more as lover than as a judge are significantly more likely to feel called to reduce suffering and pain in the world. Having established these patterns about black women's faith, divine imaginings, excuse me, having established these patterns about black women's faith, 
divine imaginings, and sense of social commitment, I turn to a test of how religious belief affects black women's political action. Specifically, I wanted to know if religious belief and practice influenced black women's support for a specifically gendered black political agenda. Although African-American churches have broadly developed political role, the gender dynamics of black churches seem to militate against feminist politics. There are significant evidence that religiosity and church activity provide psychological resources for black Christians that matter for political action. Frederick Harris uncovers both macro and micro level resources that support a variety of political activities by African-Americans. Christopher Ellison finds that religious involvement fosters self-esteem and a sense of personal empowerment among African-Americans through networks, social and emotional support and tangible aid. At its best, The black church asserts African-Americans' inherent uniqueness as individuals and emphasizes their spiritual qualities, such as wisdom and morality, over material possessions as a standard for self-evaluation. Noting the diversity within the black religious tradition, political scientist Allison Calhoun Brown makes an important distinction between political and non-political churches and finds little evidence to support a general connection between political sophistication and church attendance. But she does find an important link with political churches. These studies give us reason to believe that many African-Americans encounter politics through their churches. In 1993 through 1994, the National Black Politics Study, nearly half respondents Excuse me, let me try to send this again. I bet you that. In the 1993 through 1994 National Black Politics Study, nearly half of respondents reported engagement with some form of church-based political discussion. 34% reported talking to people about political matters at church. 50% heard a clergy member talk about the need for people to become involved in politics. 38% heard a political leader speak at church and 23% heard a church official suggest voting for or against certain candidates. Nearly a quarter reported some involvement with church-based political action. 23% helped in a voter registration drive. 25% gave people a ride to the polls on election day. 24% gave money to a political candidate. 27% attended a candidate fundraiser. 23% handed out campaign materials, and 42% signed a petition supporting a candidate as part of their regular religious duties in the past two years. For the majority of African Americans, church is not a site of political conversation or action, but the religious life of a substantial portion of blacks includes political ideas and opportunities for political involvement. This gives us good reason to believe that religious life positively influences black women's political lives by providing the psychological and organizational resources for political actions, such as voting, writing to public officials, and signing petitions. We can also use the National Black Politics Study to uncover the relationship among political activity, religious beliefs, church attendance, church-based political action, and charitable involvement, racial attitudes, and personal characteristics. A statistical analysis of this study partly confirms earlier findings about African-American political participation. Black women with this higher sense of black, excuse me, black women with a higher sense of black linked fate and those who support racial self-reliance are more likely to be politically involved. 
Those who attend churches that are politically active and who engage in frequent political discussion are much more likely to be politically involved. There is a strong and important connection between church-based political action and the likelihood of engaging in political activity outside the church. It is clear that the black church is an important site for gathering political resources that can be deployed elsewhere. Further, the results suggest that religious belief plays an independent role in influencing black women's political action. Even after we account for demographic variables, racial attitudes, and organizational resources, those who perceive Christ as a black messiah are significantly more likely to participate politically. This result confirms the 1998 GSS data. Black women who have a broader divine imagination also experience a greater calling to social and political engagement. If religious commitments in church life encourage black women to participate politically, on whose behalf do these women work? The data from the National Black Politics Survey confirms these results. There is nothing terribly surprising here. Black women who have a strong sense of racial identity, who imagine Jesus as black Messiah, and who partake in political discussion and actions in their church are more likely to be involved in politics beyond the church. Also wanted to know how religious ideas and actions were associated with how black women think about their own position in American society and in the black community. These gender equality beliefs are measured by looking at how black women responded to the following statements. That the problems of racism, poverty, and sexual discrimination are all linked and must be addressed by the black community. That black feminist groups help the black community by working to advance the position of black women that black women should share equally in the political leadership of the black community, and that black women have suffered from both sexism within the black community and racism within the women's movement. If a black woman responded to all of these statements very positively, then she would score at the top of the scale. If she disagreed with all of these statements, she would score at the bottom of the scale. A high score means strong support for gender equity, and a low score means little concern with women's leadership or issues. Results from this second model are striking. No religious variable was significantly related to support for a gender-equitable black political agenda. African-American women who attend church frequently, those who attend politically active black churches, those who are active in charitable actions in their churches, those for whom religion provides daily guidance, and those who believe Christ is black are indistinguishable from all other black women with respect to their support for a gender-equitable agenda within black politics. They are not any less likely to support black women's political issues, but neither are they more likely to support them. For black women, the black church is a site of tremendous political learning and religious faith is the source of significant political motivation. The black Christ is a radicalizing figure encouraging political action. Divine imagination and religious service press black women into political action, but they do nothing to encourage black women to direct this action toward their own needs. Black women inhabit a religious life world that offers up their spirits, hearts, and labors on an altar of sacrifice for the larger community, but it is not clear that it always helps them to be full citizens. These results show that although black women have engaged Jesus as their friend and ally in struggle, and though their faith might make them strong, it does not encourage them to turn that strength to their own political benefits. These findings complicate social scientific evidence about the political importance of black religious life. Researchers have found that the cultural practices and symbols of black church life are vital for shaping the form and content of black political life. 
Through ethnographic work in Chicago, Mary Patillo illustrates how elements of religious worship, including prayer, gospel music, call-and-response leadership styles, and biblically-based moral argument infuse the work of presumably secular Black organizations laboring in urban communities. These religious symbols and practices are cultural currency for Black politics, both motivating and directing collective action. Sociologist Sandra Barnes finds that the Black church is a cultural toolkit whose rituals and symbols foster community action. Political scientist Frederick Harris offers convincing evidence that Black churches nurture positive self-regard among Black Americans and that churches thus improve the psychological resources available to African Americans for organizing and political action. As believers, many Christian Black women benefit from these cultural and psychological resources embedded in Black religious practice, but even as they gain the general benefits of Black religion, they fail to reap specifically gendered tools or motivation for action. Black women find a friend in Jesus, and though that friendship they, excuse me, black women find a friend in Jesus, and through that friendship they find help in their quest to remain strong. Their religious beliefs also give them the motivation to try to engage in the public sphere and to address inequality. But for the most part, black Christian women's religious commitments appear to remain silent in the issues of gender fairness. And that brings us to the end of that segment and the beginning of the next segment within this chapter. And we will finish this chapter on the next episode and begin on the uh, seventh. Is this the, final, is this the seventh chapter? Is the final chapter? Yep. And we will begin on the seventh and final chapter on the uh, next episode. And I think that. This this chapter that also does the job of highlighting just how the the black church is the longest ten, I don't know if tenured is the right word, but the the longest existing black institution, black structure, black organization in this country. During slavery, the black church existed. Uh, it existed in a different way, but it existed. Uh, and during the years directly after slavery, the black church existed during the reconstruction. The black church existed after the fall of reconstruction. The black church existed during the civil rights movement. Black church existed during black liberation. Black church existed eighties, uh, nineties, two thousands. The black church has existed. So it's not a surprise that there are, that the people who are likely to be involved in politics within the church are also more likely to be involved in politics without the church, because the first political actions that were taken by black people were taken within the aspects of the church. Nat Turner, when Nat Turner led his slave rebellion, he led the slave rebellion with a belief of having divine intervention and, and being spoken to of by God to, to, uh, to do so. And as far back as you can go, you see that there have always been leaders that have been created and pushed out by the black church or who have been uh, leaders who have been uh, fostered by the black church. And, and so it's also not surprising when you know how far back the tradition goes, that the tradition falls into the trap of, mimicking the sexism that exists outside of the religion and outside of the tradition. 
And and so those are just some of my final thoughts after reading this. And this was a longer episode, but I want to thank people for uh, listening. Please listen to previous episodes. And if by the time you hear this, there are future episodes out, please listen to those. Reminder that we put these episodes out on a daily basis to provide people the opportunity to begin and further to begin or further their journey in the struggle to end police terrorism, mass incarceration, and racial injustice. All right, I'll let you tomorrow.